Hello, welcome back to The Wire Podcast, the podcast that provides the best content about all things sports. I'm Ryan McCreary. Today, we got Thomas Smith back on the podcast, and we've got a lot to talk about today. We are going to be talking about yesterday's NFL trade deadline. Um, there's some other big news in the NFL we have to talk about, like oh, the yeah. Raiders cleaning house. Desmond Ritter, Falcons quarterback, getting benched. After that, we'll talk about a little bit of college football. The initial college football playoff rankings were just released. We'll go through those. We'll talk about the NFL midseason MVP, our picks for that, um, and we'll talk a little bit about all the candidates. We'll also talk about some of the top teams in the NFL who we believe are the top teams in the league at the moment. And then, and then lastly, we'll get into the Caleb Williams versus Drake main discussion because we are draft nerds here, um, and that's something that we care about. That's what we got on, got on tap for today's episode. I hope you all are excited. I know we are. And let's go ahead and dive right in. Thomas, how are you doing? Dude, I'm doing fantastic. We're pretty much midway through the NFL season, getting a little closer to the end of college football season. I, I mean, there's been a lot of football so far, and I've been enjoying all of it. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. This has been a, been a really fun season. I've been enjoying it. Let's go ahead and dive into the first topic, and I don't want to spend a, a ton of time on this. I uh, just wanted to go quickly through the trade deadline real quick. So yesterday, I mean, I really want to focus on the biggest moves, and that was Washington trading away Montez Sweat and Chase Young. There were there were reports that they were going to probably be trading at least one of those guys, maybe extending the guy that they didn't trade. Yeah. But they ended up trading both of them. Yeah. What were your thoughts about that? I was pretty surprised. So, like, the Montez Sweat trade happened first. I saw that. He got traded to the Bears. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I guess they're going to try to extend Chase Young. And then, what, like an hour later, the deal came through that they traded Chase Young to the 49ers, which, first of all, what a move by the 49ers to bring in Chase Young, pair up him and Nick Bosa on the same defensive line again. That's going to be crazy. Can't wait to see that. Um, But, yeah, I was pretty surprised uh, that they ended up trading both guys. But I do think, like, it it's not necessarily like a bad move on their part because they're just not in a position where, you know, they need to have a bunch of like highly paid defensive linemen because they're just not in a position to win yet. Sam Howell has been better than I expected this year, but I don't know that he's going to be your, you know, hey, we're going all the way with this guy kind of quarterback. So I understand the trade. Just try to get a little more capital, a little more capital and, you know, move forward. Yeah, I I didn't understand both deals. Okay. I, I I thought like I thought it made sense to trade one of them because you can't really you're not in a position to pay both of those guys. Right. And the, the commanders are not good enough. But I just didn't think that they got enough. I mean, if you're going to trade two like premier edge rushers, yeah. For like, and you're trading both and not getting a single first round pick, like yeah, it is tough. I just don't get it. I get I get. Trading one of them because you can't pay both. That makes sense. And to they me. only got a third for Chase Young. Yeah. Right? I was pretty shocked by that. The 49ers did a, that was a great move. It sounds like maybe teams were uncomfortable with his injury it, history. That's fair. Which makes sense, but like he is having an awesome season. Oh, yeah. At I the think moment. he's second. In, no, he's he's either second or first in the league so far in pressures, right? It's crazy. Yeah. Like he's, he's, he's at, at the least top, top five. Of the league yeah. In, in pressures. Um, and yeah, I just I didn't like that move. Yeah, 
I, I thought trading him uh, for a third round pick, I didn't love it. I uh, didn't think that made sense. Um, there was also another big trade a few days ago where the Giants traded Leonard Williams right. to the Seahawks for a second round pick. What were your thoughts on that deal? Uh, good move by the Giants. Yeah. You suck, you know, move on from an aging interior defensive lineman and get a second round pick for him. That's a pretty good move for them. I think it shows more that the Seahawks really feel like they may be able to win this year. Yeah. I mean, they are a good team. I just, to me, like, I don't know that Gino's really the guy that's going to take you to the promised land. So to me, it showed that Seattle is ready to make moves and win this year. I mean, giving up a second round pick. Now, Leonard Williams is, you know, I would say probably a top 10 interior defensive lineman in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they do get a lot of help on that defensive line, but at what cost? Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I loved it for the Giants. I mean, you're oh, yeah. training a guy that you probably, you may not have been able to keep um, after the year, like when he goes into free agency. You get a second round pick. Like, yeah, it's nice. That's nice. That's really good. So I love that for them. For the Seahawks, that's a very win now move. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think they're in there. And I think that they may, they may think they're better than they are. They probably do. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was my thought about that trade. On paper, however, I do feel like the Seahawks look good. Yeah. On paper. Yeah, Especially like yeah. Devin Witherspoon coming on as crazy as he has been this mm. year. Man, I, I don't know that I was expecting that from him in year one, but yeah. like, he's been an insane impact player for their defense. Right. Yeah, so I thought that that trade was interesting. They're a good team. I just don't view them as an elite team or yeah. like a serious contender. So I thought that was a, a weird move by them. Um, I'll go through some other big trades that we saw uh, at this year's trade deadline. We saw Donovan Peoples-Jones get traded to the Detroit Lions, yep. going from the Browns to the Lions. Big move for the Lions. I like that a lot, mm-hmm. um, adding to the receiving core. Yeah, he gets back to Michigan. Uh, exactly. And then you have the... Um, the Vikings were involved in a few trades. They mm-hmm. sent Ezra Cleveland guard to the Jaguars for a sixth round pick, which is great for the Jags. It really is. Yeah, yeah. And then you had jo- and they also traded for Joshua Dobbs yep. because Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles this past week. Hopefully, he's able to get healthy uh, quickly. But yeah, it was a, a really interesting trade deadline. Yeah, this year can't forget about um, my Packers making a trade too. I was sent, I, I, yeah. I know I had that in my mind. Yeah, sent uh, <laughs> corner Rasul Douglas to the Bills. I believe for a third round pick. I think so. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I felt good about that. I mean, we're we needed we. Sh- I wish we had just blown up the team. Honestly, I wish we could tank. Try to, and we'll talk about these guys later, but try to get like a top quarterback prospect, maybe even get like a mm-hmm. Drake May. I don't know that we'll be bad enough to compete for getting, you know, Caleb Williams, but we'll see. Yeah. And then next thing we got to talk about is the Raiders cleaning house. It was yeah. announced today. It was announced like at 1 a.m. or something. Yeah, it was. That I they fired. The like they have fired Josh McDaniel or Josh, is it McDaniel? Yeah, Josh McDaniel. Yeah, Josh McDaniel. And they fired their GM. I think they also, they also fired, fired their, their OC, OC. Yeah. and then they benched Jimmy G for Aiden O'Connell. <laughs> so wild. They said, we are done. Like, yeah. can y'all <laughs> I mean, this out. was a thousand percent like a Mark Davis move. Yeah. Like, yeah. he was just like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done with losing. It, it, I, I, I was, I thought they may tr- even trade Devontae Adams I was yesterday. just about to bring that up. I, I think that is so interesting that they made all those moves, but didn't trade Devontae. Yeah. Because why, why keep them? Exactly. I mean, like if you're if you're cleaning house, you're definitely trying to tank yeah. a little bit. Like you're you're not trying to win now. 
So why keep Devontae on yeah. your roster when you can trade him for draft capital? He's a Ferrari parked in a trailer park, man. I know. Like, what the heck is this? Tough. Thought that was interesting. But yeah, the Raiders are cleaning house. We're going to get to see Aiden O'Connell. I saw a report today that someone had talked to a source with the Raiders and asked them about, you know, the decision to bench Jimmy G for Aiden O'Connell. Yeah. And apparently the person said he's their best QB. So <laughs> we'll see about that. Also, I also saw that... Um, um, the, one of the guys for part of my take, like, posted a quote, um, they claimed it was from The Athletic, and it was about how Martin Davis fired Josh McDaniel. Wasn't true, but, like, very obviously not true, but still hilarious. Yeah. It said that McDaniel had come in on Monday dressed as Mark Davis, <laughs> and that they ate lunch together, uh, and they had P.F. Chang's, which is allegedly Mark Davis's favorite restaurant, Nice. and that Mark Davis handed Josh McDaniel, like, a um, a fortune cookie, told him to open it up, and it said, like, you're, you're fired. fired. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Unfortunately, not true, but... Well, it's true in my head. Yeah, yeah, it's true in my heart. Now we can go ahead and talk about Desmond Ritter getting benched, Falcons quarterback Man. Desmond Ritter. He's benched. Uh, they're starting Taylor Heineke this week against the Vikings. This I, should be a national holiday. Literally. Now, I will say, Arthur Smith, the head coach, has said that it's just for this week, that this isn't a long-term thing. I don't really know what to believe at this point because he is the uh, an, an elite-tier BSer. Yeah. Um, so you don't really know what to believe in his press conferences. Uh, they they are saying that they care about Desmond Ritter's health because he was being checked for a concussion in the last game, was cleared during the game, has been cleared this week, so you would think that he would play. But, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it also helps that Desmond Ritter sucks, so it's probably easier to bench him. <laughs> that is true, yeah. It's been, it's been a weird experience, and it's funny because a lot of Falcons fans are huge Desmond Ritter guys. Yeah. I mean, they defend him more than they ever defended Matt Ryan. Which is wild. Insane. And I'm not a Desmond Ritter guy. I mean, I've been tweeting for months that like I didn't think that he was a guy, and I thought that, that we were putting all our eggs in the Desmond Ritter basket, and I thought that was a mistake. Oh, yeah. And I hate to say it. I really don't hate to say it, but no, I hate to say it. it. I told y'all. Nice. Like, this dude... It has never been that great. Yeah, that was a nice. I told you so. Yeah, it was. It felt good. It yeah. felt good. No, I, I'm. I have a lot of faith that Heineke will outperform Ritter. I feel like he did last week. Yeah, I mean, he did last week, and he. And listen, I'm not like I don't think I'm not someone that thinks that Heineke is like the savior of the oh, team. Oh no, like, he, wait, wait, he's like, not your franchise quarterback. Yeah, I. Oh my god, I know. Big news. Yeah, like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not delusional. Like I know that he is not the future. I just want someone. Who is going to make our offense perform better right now? Oh, I mean, yeah. that's all I want. Like, well, you're in a position to make like a playoff run. Now, I don't know you're going to make a deep playoff run, but like in the division you're in, a weaker division, like you could pretty easily win it, especially with the roster that you have and the system. Like if Bijan can get a little more involved too, like what are we doing, Arthur Smith? All like two weeks ago, where he just what he, he had like four snaps, I think. Yeah, apparently he was dealing with an injury. Yeah, but it was never really clear. That's a big reason why I don't like Arthur Smith because he like won't ever be honest about like literally anything. Yeah, I get him not wanting like he's not going to come out and say that Desmond Ritter sucks. He's well, not going to do that. He should, but like, <laughs> but like he could very well come out and tell us what was up with Bijan. So, yeah, hey, Bijan's two or three weeks ago today. Or, like, apparently he was dealing with headaches and maybe a potential concussion, mm. but they just wouldn't ever say well, it. Well, they didn't even evaluate him for a concussion, right? That's why the NFL had to investigate it. Yeah, and it's like, 
Because I didn't report anything. Like, what the heck? But yeah, um, I think that the offense will will probably perform better with Heineke just yeah. because Ritter, you know, had a ton of turnover-worthy plays, a ton of interceptions, a ton of fumbles. He was taking sacks at a very high rate. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, we already saw the offense perform considerably better with Heineke yeah, in the last, last week. game. Yeah, and part of that may be because in the second half they were down, so maybe the defense, the defense was probably, you know, playing differently than they were in the first half. But yeah, the offense was just objectively better yeah. with Heineke under center. Um, and there were a few weeks where Ritter was playing much better. Like yeah. after the London game, when they played like Houston, um, like he, he was much better in this like three-week period. But yeah. still, like that's only a three-game sample size. And then immediately after that, when we played the Buccaneers, he continued playing, like, he continued to struggle. And he's been one of the lowest graded quarterbacks in the league by PFF. He's been at the at the bottom of the league in turnover worthy plays and and pressure in a sack rate. Like the guy just has not been playing well. Yeah. And there are like some plays um, where he where he performs well. Like he's pretty he's fairly accurate in the intermediate parts of the field. But still, there, there's so many negative plays on tape. It's like, come on now. Like, we need, we're, we are obviously trying to win now yeah. with the moves that we made in free agency, improving our defense, um, and the investments that we've made over the last, like, two years on our offensive line and our skill positions through the draft. Like, we're trying to win. This is not, this was never going to be a year where we were okay just throwing it away. Oh, no. No, like, we were trying to win. Well, I mean, if, if that was the case this year, Arthur Smith would be fired. Yeah. Like, if y'all were actually struggling this year, I mean, which, you're not. What are you, what is the Falcons? We're four and three four. Three and four, or? I think uh, we're four and four at the moment. Okay. I believe, yeah. We're four and four. I mean, we're still, we're, I think we're tied for the lead in the NFC South. Yeah. It's like, we, we very well can still win the division. Um, we're not going to make it deep in the playoffs because we're not a great team, but like the goal this entire year, like heading into this year, was to make the playoffs. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Ritter is just like crushing our offense. Yeah, we got to be better. A gotta move had to be made. Yeah, can't wait for the marquee matchup this week of uh, Desmond Ritter versus Jaron Hall. <laughs> Unfortunately, or, sorry, I, not Ritter Heineke versus Jaron yeah, Hall. Yeah. Unfortunately, I will be there watching. Not there, but just in yeah. front of my TV. Painful, painfully suffering through the through, through the matchup. Hey, somebody's got to do it. Yeah, someone's got to do it. You bear that burden. I know, I know. God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. Amen. So I gotta <laughs> gotta go to battle. Oh man. Now we can move on talking about the college football playoff rankings. So the first edition of the 2023 college football playoff rankings came out last night. I'll go through the top ten. I'm not going to go through all of them. So what they're looking like: number one, Ohio State. Number two, Georgia. Number three, Michigan. Number four, Florida State. Number five, Washington. Number six, Oregon. Number seven, Texas. Number eight, Alabama. Number nine, Oklahoma. And number 10, Ole Miss. What was your like first reaction to the rankings, Thomas? Um, so I still hate recency bias. So I do still feel like Oklahoma should be ranked ahead of Texas. And I felt like that even with the AP poll as well. I think they're, I think Texas is probably a better team than Oklahoma. Like, I think if they play again, Texas probably takes that one. But Oklahoma beat Texas. Mm -hmm. I understand that they have a more recent loss and probably a worse loss than Texas has. But I do still think the head-to-head should matter a lot. Okay, yeah. So I feel like Oklahoma should be ahead of Texas. Um, 
Yeah, I, I like the. Uh, I don't hate the top five. I, I really feel like it's solid. Yeah. Um, I appreciate Ohio State being one. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they would do it, but they did. I mean, Ohio State has some really good wins. They beat Notre Dame. They have a win over Penn State. Even like Maryland and Wisconsin are decent wins too. Like they're not as good, obviously, as the other two, but they've got like two really quality wins. Uh, Georgia doesn't really have any crazy quality win, like Kentucky maybe, but I don't even know if I'm going to count that as a quality win. Yeah, I am a um, I am the number one hater of the AP poll and college yeah. football playoff ranking. So like, I literally never never like it. Oh, for I sure. love Ohio State at one. Thought that was easily the right choice. Like, yeah. if it was going to be anybody at number one, it had to be Ohio State. Like, if the rankings are going to be taken seriously, I thought Ohio State had to be number one. They had the best resume. They're arguably the best team in the nation. Like, they had to be at number one. For me, I don't think Georgia or Michigan should be in the top four. Interesting. Neither of them the have a good four? enough resume. Okay. Like, close to it. Georgia, I don't think there is a case to be made that they should be in the top four. Michigan, if you wanted to say that Michigan should be in the top four because they're the best team in the country, I would say, okay, like based on that, I think I think that's fine. I just don't think that there's a case that Georgia is a top four team in the country just based on pure team strength. Interesting. And I don't think their resume is very good. So so who would your top four be? Because I do agree with you in the fact that I would probably consider putting FSU ahead of Georgia and Michigan because they do have an incredible win against LSU, mm. and they have a good win against Duke, too. My top four would be Ohio State 1, um, Florida State 2, mm-hmm. pretty easily. Three, I would probably go Washington. Yeah. Um, and then four, for me, would be either... Alabama or Texas. Interesting. You go okay. Like and then I would have I would have like Alabama, Texas in the top five. Interesting. So you'd have EGA and Michigan out of the top five. Yes. Okay. And and, and Michigan, both Georgia and Michigan winning out, they would be in the top four for me. So like for me, it's just at this okay, point. Okay. I understand. At what this you're point, saying. at this point, they have not earned. Because to me, you do have to be punished for losses. Yeah. Yeah, and so like. Alabama, who'd they lose to? LSU? No, they're probably no, they LSU lost this to Texas. weekend. Texas. Lost to Texas, which is, it's not like a bad loss. Like, that's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> you could call it a quality loss. Um, but also, who you said Alabama or Texas you'd have mm-hmm. up there. And yes. same with Texas. Texas has just lost to Oklahoma, which is also yeah. For a me, quality loss. I feel like Texas definitely has one of the best quality wins with beating Alabama. Yeah. Like, for me, like, I don't care as much about, um, like, the head-to-head. Um, and, and I get that. Like, you said that you do. So, like, if you were to have Oklahoma over Texas for that reason, like, I, I get that. For me, Alabama did, does have a loss. And, and you're comparing them against undefeated teams like Georgia and Michigan. But they also have better wins by a huge margin than both of those teams. Yeah, they've, like, they've got like some they've, good wins. They have beaten Ole Miss... Mm-hmm. And they've also beaten Tennessee. Yeah, they also have a solid win against A and M. Yeah, 
Like, their resume is just significantly better than Michigan's and Georgia's, in my opinion. If they beat LSU Even this with the too. loss. Yeah. Like, let's say that Alabama were undefeated. In that case, they would be the number one team. Yeah, that's true. And it true. wouldn't even be close. That's true. Ooh, like, you, th- you don't think it'd be close? No. Well, and, and I'm I, a think hu- it'd be clo- I think it might be a little bit close with Ohio State. I'm a huge... I'm, hu- well, I'm pretty high on Texas. Yeah. Um, may- maybe it would be a little close, depending on how you view, like, Penn State. So I guess, yeah. sure, like it, it would be close. Maybe, maybe saying that it wouldn't be close would be a little unfair. They would have three really strong wins. Yeah. Where Ohio State would only have two at this point. And they would also have a win against A&M, which in my opinion is probably a little bit better than, you know, Ohio State's like secondary wins against yeah. like Wisconsin um, and all the other Big Ten teams that they've played. That's why I'm high on Alabama. And for Texas, like, that win against Alabama might be the best in in all of college football. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think they probably have the best quality win in the country. Yeah. And for and for Oklahoma, like, I think a reason that I would put Texas over Oklahoma is that Oklahoma does have a loss against Kansas, which isn't a bad loss. Like, I think that that loss is not terrible. But I do think that that um, could put them behind Texas. Um, and Texas also has a win against Kansas, a yeah. team that Oklahoma lost to. I think that that would be why you would rank Texas over Oklahoma, even though Oklahoma beat Texas. Um, but yeah, and then there were a lot of things that I thought were terrible with the rankings besides the one that. One thing that I hate, and this is not even relevant to the playoffs because they won't make the playoffs because they legally can't, but like JMU can't even be ranked. They're an eight no team, and yeah. do they have sanctions against them, or is it just because they just became just because they just became D one? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, essentially they can't even be a part of the college football playoff rankings. They can be a part of the AP rankings, like they're ranked twenty three in the AP, hmm. but they're not even allowed to be voted for in CFP rankings. Yeah, which so, is crazy. So the last couple of years, I, I've um done this thing every uh, every week starting after week four where I use uh, some metrics from ESPN, strength of record, FPI, and game control strength of record. Yeah. Like measures resume. FPI is like team strength. Game control is just dominance. Yeah. Um, and use that to like rank each team's resume. Um, and it's heavily weighted for strength of record. So it's, it's basically a measure of each team's resume with a little bit of weight given to like how good they are and how dominant they've been. And for my rankings for this week, JMU is 20th. Okay. Um, and, and I know that because they aren't eligible, that's probably why they weren't even ranked by the CFP That's committee. what I'm saying. They're not allowed to be. So they're not even allowed they're, to be. I mean, they're I guess, not allowed to be ranked at all yeah, by which, the CFP committee. Yeah, like they stinks. just they just don't get any yeah. votes. Have, let, let them have fun. Nah, let no. them cook, dang it. Yeah. Let them cook. But yeah, I think I thought the first uh, the first set of rankings were interesting. Um, I my one issue is that I is that I want consistency. Yeah. Because I feel like they they really um, gave Ohio State a lot of credit for having a really strong resume, mm-hmm. but they, they didn't do that for like Florida State, a team who I think like their resume is really strong. Oh, yeah. Um, and like they're undefeated, and their resume is like. Easily better than Michigan's I mean, do you and, think it's just because Georgia? they have some like close wins over teams that they should have probably blown out? But I think you can say the same for Georgia. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Georgia struggled against Auburn. Yeah. And South Carolina. Yeah. Like, I think back to back weeks, if not like two weeks from me. Like, like, yeah, it was like they, between three weeks. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if you're going to say that for a Florida State, which I get, 
But that is something that, like, basically every team has dealt with. Yeah. This season. That's fair. Like, Washington. They just had two straight weeks. Oh, yeah. Arizona they State and Stanford. Yeah. Like, and Alabama. They, they out I mean, wins, I mean Alabama like... struggled against South Florida. Struggled against Arkansas. Yep. They did have a fairly close win against A&M. So, I think yeah, that... that was just kind of that period where they were trying to, like, figure out their quarterback situation, I feel like. Yeah, and and, and that's fair. Like, that's I think that's fair to yeah. point out. But that's something that a lot of teams have dealt with. A lot of yeah. teams have had close games. I mean, or, Oregon had a close win against Texas Tech in, like, the second or third week of the season. So, and Ohio State just had a not great, not dominant win against Wisconsin. Yeah. And so I think that that's something that you can say for a lot of teams. Maybe that's why they have Florida State ranked at number four. In my opinion, that's just not a good enough argument for So me. Alabama's playoff chances will likely be done if they lose to LSU. Yeah. I would think. Because, like, they're not, I like, they'll probably, assuming they both went out after that game, like, LSU would make the SEC championship, not Alabama. Yeah, I think you're right. Because they LSU has just one SEC loss right right now. They lost to Ole Miss. Um, and so if they beat Alabama, yeah. they'll both have one SEC loss. Yeah, you're, you're right. So, and, 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 yeah, a two, and a two-loss team, I believe one. a two-loss team has never made it, right? I'm, um, I'm pretty sure. I think that's probably right. I, I heard remember. that recently, and I'm pretty sure that's correct. Even when even when Alabama made it without winning the SEC West, I don't think that they had two losses. But I could be wrong there. Yeah, I can't remember that one. Yeah, I mean, another thing I thought was interesting was Oregon. Like, I think Oregon's an interesting team because I th- I think that they're a little bit overrated. Really? Um, and here's why. So I'm looking at their so they are fourth in FPI. Mm-hmm. So FPI really likes them. Thinks they are one of the best teams in the nation. Washington's FPI is 14. And so there's a 10-spot difference there. And so I think and Oregon's strength of record is 12. And I, and that's a huge reason why. Because Oregon's loss against Washington by strength of record, because strength of record uses FPI yeah. when, they're, when they're measuring teams' resumes. And so uh, strength of record sees that as an upset. And so that's punishing Oregon. Like, I think that's why Oregon is a little mm, bit lower in strength okay. of record. I got and you. it also doesn't love Utah. Like, it has Utah 26 in FPI. Gotcha. And so Oregon's resume, I think, might be a little weaker than you might think. Um, so I thought that was just interesting to note. Um, and a lot, I, I follow a lot of people on Twitter who do like college, who have their own college football playoff rankings based on like numbers and they and they rank every team's resume. Um, and they also have Oregon a little bit lower than you think. Um, they actually have Oregon lower than I do, and I have Oregon at like 10th here. Um, so I thought that was interesting and something worth noting. Who do you think, like, who do you think are the four teams that are probably going to make the playoff from this point moving forward? Um, so it's tough. I would say FSU is going to make the playoff. Mm. I would be pretty surprised if they don't win out. Mm. Um, they don't have like a super challenging schedule going forward. They have Pittsburgh, Miami, North Alabama, Florida, and then the ACC championship, which will, let's see this year. It'll probably be against Louisville because I think Mm. they've eliminated divisions in the ACC for this year. So it'll just be against Louisville. Um, so, like, Florida State has, to me, the easiest path to the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I would – Georgia's got a tough three-game stretch, 
but I don't think they drop one. Like I, I think they should win out. Mm-hmm. I also think that Michigan will win out. I think they'll beat Ohio State this year, and so that will. Man, yeah, the fourth team tough. is hard. Yeah, because I, I, I don't know I what's going to happen with Ohio State. Yeah. Like if they went out and then lose to Michigan, like I don't know if that eliminates them or not. Because they do have two really quality wins. Yeah. But then they also lost the last game of the season, and everybody loves that recency bias. It's funny. I talked to Brian, who's my stepdad. Um, I talked to him about, the, like, we were talking about the rankings last night. Yeah. And he's just like, both Penn State and Notre Dame are bad. And I'm like, well, if they're bad, then, like, there's, like, no good. There's, like, no. five good teams. Like, yeah. like, you can't, like, like, Penn State and Notre Dame are good teams. Yeah. Um, and, like, having those wins on your resume at the end of the year while also being, like, I guess it would be 11 and 1, 10 and 1 in the Big Ten. Like, that's just a, a strong resume. Yeah. Like, so here's a scenario that I could see happening. So, like, Michigan, Georgia, FSU all went out. Ohio State loses to Michigan, and Washington loses to Oregon in the Pac 12, but they had won all their pri- other games. I would think that Ohio State gets the nod there, but also you got to consider Oregon because they won the Pac-12 championship and they only have one loss to Washington before and they kind of negated it. Yeah, so that would be a crazy yeah. situation where you're looking at probably Oregon, Washington, and Ohio State all vying for a spot. And that's not even mentioning like what happens in the Big 12. Like does yeah. Texas and like if Oklahoma te- if both Texas, win out? If Texas wins out, I think they get in. Dude, it's going to be Because they would have a win against Alabama, Oklahoma, Kansas. They would have to beat Oklahoma again, right? Yeah. Like, if they, if I'm, say, I'm saying if they beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship, like, win out, yeah. they got to be in. I mean, that would be a really strong resume. Like, if they weren't, if they didn't get in, like, another team would just have to have an incredibly strong yeah. and resume. And they do, they do. I mean, Ohio out. State would, too. Because yeah. they would have wins over Penn State and Notre Dame, but have a loss against Michigan. Right, dog. I know it could it'd be, be a tough. chaos, and yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah, but I agree that I think I think Florida State's winning out. I think Georgia's winning out, and I think Michigan's winning out. Mm-hmm. I think Michigan's really good. Oh yeah, I think, I think they're, they're incredible. Team. Yeah, I just don't think their resume at the moment is strong enough for the top four. But they should easily get into the top four yeah. by the end of the year. Anything else you wanted to note there? No, nah, man. I think I think it's going to be a fun end of the season. We've got some a chance for some real chaos. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, those are our thoughts on the college football playoff rankings. Now we can move on and talk about the NFL MVP and who our NFL midseason MVP is. To start out, I wanted to go through the MVP odds on okay. DraftKings just to see who the uh, odd makers think are the favorites to win the MVP. And I'm not going to go through all of them. It's a huge list. I'll go through like five or six. So, number one, we got Tua uh, Tungavailoa at mm-hmm. plus 400. Yep. Jalen Hurts at plus 450. Patrick Mahomes at plus 450, Lamar Jackson at plus 550, Christian McCaffrey at plus 1400, and Josh Allen at plus 1600. Yeah. So those are the odds. Who are, and you don't have to say your name or who you think the winner should be at the moment right now. Who are some, like, in your opinion, who are the legitimate MVP candidates? Okay, so I'll give you you two things that I have. The person that I think is going to be the winner, I do think that, Tua will probably win the award, mm. especially if we ended the season right now. I think Tua would get the award, and obviously the DraftKings odds mm. show that. To me, Tyreek Hill has been the MVP of the league so far, mm, and okay. he's not going to get it because he's a wide receiver. Yeah, 
but he has been on a tear. I mean, he's averaging like, what was it, like 125 yards per game or something insane like that? He's had an incredible year. I don't know if he still is on pace to have 2,000 yards. I know he was yeah. or was very close at one point. Yeah. He's had a ridiculous season. I mean, we're eight games in, and he has a, over 1,000 yards already. Yeah. Like, it's it's pretty insane. Um, yeah, he's averaging... Um, hold on, I just had it. And while you're looking that up, he has a PFF grade of 94. Number two is A.J. Brown, 91.9. Number three, Brandon Ayuk, 91.7. Number four, Justin Jefferson, 89.9. Like, his lead in PFF grade oh, yeah, it's insane. is incredible. Like, that's that's remarkable. Yeah, it's it's pretty insane. Okay, so Tiger Kill's averaging 126.8 yards per game. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, he's averaging 4.26 yards per route run. And he's the only player close to four. Yeah, he's averaging seven and a half catches per game, too. Yeah, he's a guy I had written down. Um... And if he were to win MVP, I, I hate that the MVP has become like a quarterback award. And I get yeah. why. I think that people take the meaning of the of the word MVP, most valuable player, a little too literally. Like, I just want the award to go to the best performing player, mm-hmm. no matter their position. And so a few guys that, before I name who I think should win, a few guys that I think deserve consideration, Tyreek Kill, who you yep. brought up, Christian McCaffrey. A thousand percent. And I'm going to throw out, a, throw out a guy that no one's talking about for MVP. Hold on. But is, had, is having a dominant season. Yeah, can I? You can guess. Yeah, go AJ ahead. AJ Brown? No. But he, okay. He, but he is, he is he's a guy. also, after week two, he's, um, I think he's got very similar numbers to Tyreek Hill between like from week three on. Yeah. Like the first two weeks he kind of struggled, but after that, I mean, he's got a six game stretch of having over 125 yards. Yeah. He is definitely someone that I think should get a little more love. All right. Who's yours? Cause I'm not miles Garrett. Ooh. Okay. You did go defensive player. Yeah. Nice. He's just someone he's I been, threw... he's been dominant. this yeah, year. Yeah. Like he's leading the league in PFF grade, leading the league in pass rush win rate. His, his counting stats, like total pressures, sacks are a little low. I do think that's because he is double teamed all the time. I mean, oh, yeah. the rate at which he faces double teams is crazy. You can look at any graph that people post on Twitter of like edge rush production when they show like their pass rush win rate versus their double team rate. His double team rate is always sky high. So I think that's why he hasn't been super productive in terms of like the volume. But the dude's been great. Oh, like, yeah. he's, he's been, been awesome. Fantastic. And so I he's thought, a big reason why the Browns, even without Deshaun Watson, have been staying competitive. Yeah, and their defense is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it's probably the best defense in the league at the moment. So I thought he was someone worth considering. That's fair. I do agree that Tua is probably going to win it. He's probably the favorite to win it at mm-hmm. this point. Um, some other guys I wanted to throw out there, quarterbacks that I think should, should get consideration. Lamar Jackson. Oh, dude. He's having an awesome. He's year. having. He's been incredibly efficient passing the ball this oh, year. Oh yeah, I mean he's like I think he's top five in uh, completion percentage. If not, I mean he's up there. He's yeah he's third in completion percentage. Seventy five or seventy oh seventy five. That'd be insane. Seventy and a half percent. Yeah, completion percentage. He's been awesome. He's one of the highest graded quarterbacks in the league this year. He's been super productive as a rusher, but the passing has been crazy. His his numbers under pressure are great. He's just been awesome. He was awesome as a passer in the second half of last year. He's continuing to perform at a very high level this year. Another guy I kind of give love to. Someone I was very, very down on after last season because I thought his numbers were just very underwhelming. 
Jerry Goff. Ooh, okay. Gotta gotta give some love to Jerry Goff. Dude is having a year. Oh yeah. The Lions are playing well. He's playing well. A big issue I had with him last year is that his turnover worthy play rate was really high. Yeah. Like I think he, I believe last year he had more turnover worthy plays than big time throws. And this year That's tough. He has just completely turned it around. I mean, he, yeah. he has 11 big-time throws to six turnover-worthy plays. So he's, he's playing way better. He's been super accurate. Um, I kind of view him in, in a similar light to Tua. Like, okay. I think they're similar yeah. quarterbacks. In, in, in super quarterback-friendly systems. That, yeah. Yeah. And and that's probably inflating their stats a little bit, but that it's not to say that they're not playing well. Yeah, I mean, they, they are, they are both well. playing well. And and I think that like I think Tua, if Tua wins the MVP, I wouldn't hate it. Like, yeah, I, sure. I, I I disagree. Like I don't. I wouldn't vote for him as the MVP. Yeah. But like he's playing really really well. Oh yeah. He's and and great. to act like he isn't would just be disingenuous. Um. But yeah, I mean Jared Goff, I think he deserves a lot of credit for the way that he's played this season. Um, and I think that he deserves to be in this dis- discussion. We gotta throw this guy out there. Someone who was getting MVP love earlier in the season, but has kind of crashed down a little bit in the last couple of weeks. Okay. Brock Purdy okay. of the 49ers. I'm not, I don't think that he's like a legitimate MVP candidate. He was getting anymore. a lot of hype at Dude. one point. And I, I have never been a big Brock Purdy guy. His, his advanced numbers have all, like, under the surface when you look at, like, you know, turnover-worthy play rate, uh, performance under pressure. Like, his numbers in those categories just haven't ever been great. Yeah. Um, and so I was never on the Brock Purdy hype train. And so, and if you are someone that is going to base your MVP vote on, like, you know, total passing yards, completion percentage, you know, catch-all metrics like passer rating, adjusted net yards per attempt, QBR, yeah. if you're just going to look at the leaderboards there and pick your MVP – I think that's fine. Like, sure. if that's how you're going to vote for MVP, sure. For me, I value those metrics, but I also care about the metrics that are more in, in, indicative of a player's individual performance. And so I'm going to look at those two. And for the entire year, those numbers have been like a red flag for Purdy. Yeah. And so that's why I've never been like, oh, yeah, Purdy's like a legitimate MVP candidate. And his and his numbers have always been way worse than Tua's. Yeah. Like, Tua is someone that I think is in a similar boat as Mark Purdy, where I think that the system does kind of elevate his counting stats a, sure. a little bit. Like, I don't think he's as good as his counting stats are. But still, his performance under pressure has been way better than Brock Purdy's. He's not uh, putting the ball in harm's way nearly as much as Purdy is. So that's why I am way more okay with a guy like Tua winning the MVP nice. than Brock Purdy. I'm glad, we, I'm glad we took a second to trash Brock Purdy. Yeah, That's you know, good. listen, I'm sorry, Brock. <laughs> listen, it's not you, it's your fans. I, it's not you, it's Kyle. Yeah, it's not you, it's, it's Kyle. Shanahan. It's Kyle. Yeah, but yeah, the, the Brock Purdy fanboys fan are a little bit much. That's fair. So you you said you're, you're a winner. I'm going to make a case for my winner. Okay. And I'm going to have to make a good case because he is pretty low in odds. Josh Allen. That's fair. I was actually going to bring him up because he has had... A very good season so far. And the Bills just overall are, are having a weird year. We can get to that in a minute when we talk about the teams. Yeah. But his numbers are really good. He's completing 71.7% of his passes, 2,165 passing yards, 17 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. He's also been one of the more productive rushing quarterbacks in the league this year. I think he's top 10 in total rushing yards. But when I 
and more impressed by are the advanced numbers. He leads all quarterbacks in PFF grade. Um, his turnover-worthy play rate is just 2.1%, which wow. is lower than I thought. Yeah. I thought it would be um, a little bit higher than that. He isn't generating as many big-time throws as I thought he would. His big-time throw rate is 4.7%, which isn't bad. It's just a little bit low. Um, like, Tua's is, is, is a good bit higher than that. Um, Lamar's is a good bit higher than that. Matthew Stafford's is a good bit higher than that. But he's been one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the league. His pressure to sack rate is 11.9%, which is one of the best marks in the league. That's great to see. Um, it's up there with like Baker Mayfield's, a little bit lower than Patrick, or a little bit higher than Patrick Mahomes, who is just, his sack avoidance is unreal. Um, and Josh Allen's performance under pressure has been good. Not elite, but it's been good. Um, so, and, and the Bills' offense has been awesome. Yeah. They have one of the best offenses in the league right now. Um, I know they've had some weird games. Josh Allen has had, has had some weird games. But overall, he's been a really, really good this year. And I do think that um, if I had to vote for someone to win the MVP, I would probably vote him. And if I didn't vote for him, I would consider probably either Tua or Lamar. Okay. I, my vote would be Tyreek. I would, I would, I would have to consider Tyreek. I mean, Tyreek's yeah. been awesome. So like, he's like he's, I, I definitely would consider him. If like, I yeah, if historic. I went with a non-quarterback, it'd be Tyreek. That's fair. He's That's been fair. awesome. Now we can move on and talk about, you know, the top teams in the NFL and who the top teams in the league are, um, in our opinion at this point. Yeah. So who are a few teams that you think are legitimate contenders? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good question. It, in the NFC, and, and we're going to get to them a little bit later, uh, but the Eagles are definitely a team that are contenders. Um, I feel like the 49ers, even though they've had some recent struggles, are still contenders. Um, you've got the Lions are also a really good team. That I, I'm i a little nervous after that big loss to the Ravens, but everybody has a bad game, so I'm going let it, to let it go a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, that might be the only teams that I have in the NFC that I'd say, well, okay, no, sorry, Dallas, Dallas as well. But those are like the only four teams that I'd be like, okay, yeah, I could see them making the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, in the AFC, I feel like there's a lot more teams that are like, oh, okay, yeah, they're really good. Um, like Kansas City, obviously, just honestly based off of purely Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say Jacksonville is a team that I really like in the AFC. Um, you have Baltimore, really good on paper and <laughs> in real life, too. Um, you've got the Bills, obviously. And then uh, that might be all I really would say are like legitimate contenders. Uh, maybe the Bengals, too. Mm. I feel like they've kind of fixed some of their problems. Yeah. For me, in the NFC... It's definitely the 49ers. Yeah. They're they're probably the best team in the in, in the NFC. Yeah, okay. Um, I know they're struggling the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I might would make a case for the Eagles, but Yeah. The Eagles have they've been they haven't been great this year. They've been yeah. they've been worse in their record cuz they're 7 and 1. They have like the the most wins in the league. Mm -hmm. But their performance actually hasn't been as good as I think people think. Um you also have the Cowboys who are playing really really well. And like when yeah. their offense is clicking they're awesome. Yeah. Like they're they're really good. Um but yeah, I think I think the 49ers, the Eagles, and the Cowboys are I think that they are the for me, they would be the only legitimate contenders in the NFC. 
If someone other than them made it to the Super yeah. Bowl, I'd be really surprised. Same. I did forget to mention the Dolphins when I was talking about the AFC earlier. So I, I didn't want, notice it. Yeah, sorry. I d- don't want anybody to think that I'm like hating on the Dolphins. Dude, they you, are also contenders. I'm glad you said that because Dolphins fans will literally like come kill you. Yeah. Dolphins fans are insane on Twitter. I don't yeah. know if you have you know, I haven't had been to deal introduced with Dolphins to the, to the on fans. They are crazy. Like they, they are ride or die for their for their team. It's wild. Like the the Dolphins fans, whenever Tua is brought up, oh, it's it's over. Like, yeah, it, it's wild. And don't ever bring up Justin Herbert. Oh, I was actually about to say that you know Justin Herbert may be objectively better than Tua. That's okay. <laughs> Dolphins fans at TB Smith fifty eight on Twitter. Come <laughs> at me. I guess it's X now, but still. Yeah, and then for the AFC. Content, um, um, in my opinion, the contenders are uh, the Bills, the Dolphins, um, and the Ravens. And that's probably it for me. Maybe the Bengals, if they can turn it around. Yeah. But they had a rough start to the year. Yeah. They did just have an awesome win oh, yeah. against the 49ers. And Joe, Joseph Joe Burrow, who was sucking it up to start the year, yeah. looked awesome. He looked yeah. healthy. Um, he was moving. His calf did not look like it was affecting him whatsoever. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know you saw the scramble drill with the... Yeah. He avoided, like, three sacks and then threw a dot. Yeah, I uh, unfortunately lost in fantasy football this week because of Joe Burrow. Um, my opponent had Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Yeah. So, I'm tough, sorry. tough look. Tough, tough to hear that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if the Bengals can turn it around offensively, I mean, I think that they can be a contender in the AFC. We'll just have to see. Mm-hmm. Because their performance the first couple of weeks of the season was really rough. It, it, it was kind of brutal, especially on offense. But yeah, those are the teams I think are like legitimate contenders. Yeah. Um, I think that the, it's hard to pick like who the best team in the league is at the moment. That's because, fair. Because like I think the Bills are so talented. But they just like they keep. It's also tough for them on defense because they've lost Trey White and Matt Milano. Yeah. So like, if they had those guys, yeah, I feel like you got an argument. But without those two, it's kind of tough. And the Dolphins are the best offensive team in the league. Yeah. But their defense is is not great. Yeah. What are they like? Do you have their rankings or? I can pull up like their uh, their defensive numbers. Like, yeah, that's. Their um, I can look up their defensive EPA per play. Because I feel like. Especially, I'm interested to see if they get better, you know, now that yeah. Jalen Ramsey's back with the team. So their uh, defensive EPA per play is 20th. Okay. It's behind, like, the Giants and the Bengals, just ahead of the Colts and the Patriots. Mm, okay. Yeah. So they're they're a team, like, I love their offense, but and I love their head coach. I feel like they've got a lot of good, like, pieces on defense, like Jalen Phillips, mm. Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, Javon Holland. But it has, like, it's never really performed all that well, yeah. which is interesting. The Jaguars are a team that you mentioned. They're fourth in EPA per play on defense. Mm. Um, if they're off... Josh conti- Allen for the jo- yeah. Jaguars, Josh Allen, yeah. is having an incredible year. He is. Underrated. Yeah, he's been criminally underrated for, like, three, oh, yeah. for like his entire his career. career. But, yeah, like, if they can turn it around offensively, I think they're a contender. But despite having one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Trevor Lawrence, they still just aren't performing at an elite level in offense. Yeah. If they can start doing that, they are a legitimate contender, but that just has yet to happen yet. But yeah, um, those are some of the best teams in the league, um, teams that we think are legitimate contenders at this at the moment. Um, 
for teams like the Bengals, it'll be interesting to see what the second half looks like for them. Um, I, I think the same can be said for the 49ers, who just made some big moves at the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, you know, the Seahawks, who just made a big move to get Leonard Williams. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what the Eagles look like moving forward because I think that they are one of the more complete teams in the league. They also made a big trade at the trade deadline, which we didn't talk about getting Kevin Byard. Um, oh, yeah, that was just which that was, was a few weeks ago. Yeah, a few a weeks week ago, ago like a week ago. Um, wasn't at the trade deadline, but it was like a week before, so. Dude, have you looked at the Eagles' upcoming schedule? No, is it hard or easy? It's insane. Oh, I think I have. Okay, you want to hear the next five games? Yeah. This week, they got the Cowboys at home. Then they go on the road against the Chiefs. Then they host the Bills. Then they host the 49ers. And then they go on the road to the Cowboys. Oh, and then a week after that, they go play the Seahawks. Yeah, that's tough. They have an <laughs> incredibly tough six-game stretch. That is tough. We're really going to see if the Eagles are legit or not. I feel yeah. like... I mean, I do think they're. I do. I think they're a great team. Like they have some very solid wins. Like especially like against the, uh, the um, the Dolphins is probably their best win so far this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll we'll really see what they're made of. It's interesting looking at the Eagles' defensive numbers because their defense ha- has not been nearly as good as it was a year ago. Yeah, they are seventeenth in EPA per play on defense. Um, and they, I don't know what their mark was a year ago, but it had to be top ten because they had so many sacks. Like it had, it had to be top ten. And their and their defense was great last year, but they lost Jonathan Gannon. Um, it's that that's his name, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, they lost him and their defensive coordinator, who's now with the Cardinals as their head coach. So, um, if their defense can can improve moving forward, like adding Kevin Byard, I think that they will be a really good team. But for now. I do think that they are below like some of the elite, elite teams in the league at the moment. Now we can move on and uh, talk about the Caleb May versus Drake May discussion that okay. is going to poison our Twitter timelines yeah. in a few months. Yeah, It's going to suck. It's going to be awful. And I can't wait. <laughs> yes. So, got to ask you, Caleb Williams versus Drake May. It's now become a big discussion now because Caleb Williams is having a bit of a rough year. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is going to be the consensus quarterback one? And who do you think, right now, if you had to say, is the QB one in the 2024 NFL draft? Caleb Williams is my answer to both of those questions. Okay. Um, I think he's just, I think he's just too good. I mean, he's got too many, he's got too much talent. I, this year has been a down year for him. He's got, doesn't he have more turnover worthy plays than big time throws this year? Let me look. I think you're right because yeah, I remember looking at that it's recently. Been really and that, rough. And, and usually when you see that, it's like, oh my god. <laughs> but I mean, to me, like his 2022 tape is so good that to me he's still the number one guy. I think Drake May's been fantastic this year, so I can understand why people would say Drake May as a number one quarterback. And I'm not like appalled by that. Like I think that that's a fine opinion. Mm. Um, but I do think Caleb Williams will probably be the number one pick. And to me, he's still the guy I would go with. I think Caleb Williams is going to be the number one pick. It's going to be, um, like I think teams will have him as their QB one. Mm-hmm. When I, it'll depend. Okay. It's hard. He reminds me like his, his like last season to me is a little bit similar to CJ Stroud's. Because okay. I don't know if you remember, 
But during Stroud's last season at Ohio State, there was a lot of criticism of of him, mm-hmm. mainly because of his performance under pressure. Right. And like there was one point, like halfway through the season, where guys at PFF on like the Stock Exchange podcast that we love, mm-hmm. they were talking about how they thought he might fall out of the top ten picks. Yeah. And I was like, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, what, what? Like C.J. Stroud, the guy that we watched dominate for his entire collegiate career. He's not going to be a top 10 pick. And something similar is happening with Caleb Williams. And the reason why, like if you're looking at his counting stats, they look great. He's completing 67.9% of his passes. He has 25 touchdowns, four interceptions. Then you look at the advanced numbers and it's like, oh, I get why people are a little bit worried. He has 17 big time throws, which is good, but 15 turnover worthy plays. Okay, so not, not quite... Not more, quite. But still, that's an insane number of turnover-worthy His turnover-worthy play rate is 4.2%, Oof. which is, like... That's tough. Incredibly high. I yeah. mean, like, let's look back a few years ago. Malik Willis came out. Mm-hmm. His turnover-worthy play rate was extremely high. Yep. And it was, like, 3.3%. Mm-hmm. So, a turnover-worthy play rate of 4.2%. Is ridiculously That's so high. Tough, dude. He also has taken 24 sacks this year for a pressure and a sack rate of 22.6%, which is a little high. I feel like he's been like really antsy in the pocket all year, too, where he's like, I don't know, he's trying to like move around too much when he doesn't need to, and he's creating sacks. Yes, I think that's a major issue. He doesn't look comfortable within the pocket, and he doesn't look comfortable against pressure. Yeah. And this is this was a huge issue with C.J. Stroud during his final season at Ohio State, and it's been a huge problem with Caleb Williams. His PFF rate under pressure is sub forty. That's tough, man. Which it, that it was the same with C.J. Stroud yeah. his final season at Ohio State, and I I'm actually gonna pull it up here so we can see what it actually is. Um, for Caleb Williams, his PFF rate under pressure is thirty five point four. Okay. Below Haynes King, Emory Jones. Hey man, don't Palmer. disrespect Haynes King. Um, don't yeah, disrespect Haynes King. We're gonna Haynes admit King. him. Redacted. Yeah, the the Yellow Jacket Prince. And our King. <laughs> and then I'm gonna I'm gonna show a lot of love to Drake May here, who's okay. having just. I'm very interested to hear his numbers compared to Caleb's. Dude, do you have Caleb's adjusted completion percentage? Yes, I do. Um, his com- his adjusted completion percentage is good. It's seventy seven point four percent, which is good. Yeah, like that's, that's a good, good mark. Um, Drake May, he has a PFF grade of ninety one, twenty five big time throws to just six turnover worthy plays. Oh wow, that's nice. Love that's really that. good. Yeah, a big time throw rate of eight point three percent to a turnover worthy play rate of one point seven percent. That's impressive, dude. That's impressive. <laughs> Like, that's insane. He also has an adjusted completion percentage of 77.6%, okay. which is basically, for people who don't know, that's like on-target throw rate, mm-hmm. the percentages of your throws that are on target. Um, he has taken 20 sacks this year for a pressure to sack rate of 20.2%, a little bit high. It could be worse, but that, that, that's something that both Drake May and Caleb Williams have to get better at, in my opinion. Last year's quarterback class, it felt like everyone was great at avoiding sacks. Yeah. This year, not so much. Um, and then we can look at his performance under pressure a little bit. Um, his PFF rate under pressure, if this will load quickly, come on PFF. 
Come don't on. fail us now. Yeah, don't fail us now. Um, I was looking at this earlier. His PFF grade right now is top 10. Under pressure is top 10 in yeah. the country at the moment. Um, it's not amazing or anything, but it, it's solid. It's, it's way better than Caleb's, I will say that. Um, and when you're looking at those numbers, it's very easy to just be like, well, I mean, obviously Drake May's better. Look at those numbers. Yeah. But, dude, Caleb's, Caleb Williams yeah. has been performing at an elite level for three years. And, like, yeah. I mean, when I say elite, I mean elite. He has had his first two seasons when he played at Oklahoma and USC, he had a PFF grade of 90 and above. Yeah. And he could very well reach that mark this year. Yeah. And I don't remember the last prospect who, who had three seasons with a PFF grade of 90 plus. And that's kind of my thing is that, like, yes, he's struggling a little bit this year, but, like, he's had such an incredible first two years. I mean, last year it was his his – only full season that we have on tape his freshman year at Oklahoma was kind of just you know he replaced Spencer Rattler what about midway through the season yeah and he still played a good bit I mean he, yeah. he had 251 dropbacks which is like a healthy, oh, yeah. a healthy sample size yeah yeah now he's been he's been impressive the last two years it's I 15 turnover worthy plays this yeah. year is it's gonna tough. be a hard evaluation i mean it I, I, it's gonna be hard because last year he had a turnover worthy play rate of 1.8 percent sub two percent that's great this feels like the will levis evaluation on steroids a little bit yeah unfortunately i don't think will levis was ever like nearly, oh no no no, yeah. no no i just mean like you're going <laughs> from like one really good year of yeah. tape to like no, yeah. an abysmal year. And now right. this this year is not like as bad to me as it's not like oh my gosh he's undraftable. Right. Yeah. But like it is concerning. Yeah. And like his PFF grade under pressure last year, uh, Caleb Williams yeah. was like eighty five. Oh my gosh. Which is so it's unreal. Like yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not really sure what happened there. Yeah. But like. So we, we have seen him play at a very high level under pressure. Like, that PFF grade is unheard of yeah. for a prospect under pressure. Like, Joe Burrow had a, had a similar PFF grade under pressure during his final season yeah. at LSU, and that came when he was, like, 23. Dang. For Caleb Williams, yeah, he, was he was 20 or 20, 19, maybe 19? Yeah, maybe 19, I think because he was a true sophomore, so he, I think he was 19. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know who what my answer would be for like who's the QB one, Caleb Williams or Drake May. I think both of them are great prospects. Yeah. Like both are elite. Both are like, you know, worthy of the number one overall pick. I think both guys would have been QB one last year, like by a mile. Wouldn't yeah. it wouldn't have been close. But yeah, it's gonna be a really interesting evaluation. I know Dane Brugler released his uh, initial top fifty today. And he had Drake May as his number one overall player. Yeah. Um, had uh, Caleb as his number three overall player. So it's going to be a really interesting conversation. If I had to pick one, I'd probably have to go Caleb. Okay. I mean, we've seen three yeah. seasons of it, man. I, I feel the same way. But Drake's, Drake's having a phenomenal year, and I think I think he's special. So if he were to end up being better than Caleb, I would not be surprised. And if Caleb ends up being a bust, I kind of wouldn't be surprised either. I mean... To, to, like yeah. that, those are huge concerns for your final season. Yeah, it's it's a tough look. Maybe he's just trying to overcome the team. Maybe that's it. But like, I don't know. I don't know either. It's just hard. I mean, to have a turnover worthy play rate that high to perform that poorly under pressure, that is usually a a major red flag that a guy is going to bust in the NFL. Yeah. And of course, there's only one season of play. We've seen him perform well under pressure, which is why. I'm I'm willing to. That's why I'm not just being like Caleb's not that guy. Yeah. 
But it, it's interesting. It's interesting. Definitely. You have anything else you want to add nah, before man, we close it out? Pretty good show, man. I agree. I thought I think that was good. Um, but yeah, that's all we have for today's episode of the podcast. Hope you all enjoyed. Hope you all enjoy watching the rest of the NFL and college football seasons. Um, that was great. Thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely, man. That's all we got for today. Hope you all enjoyed it, and we will see you all next time. Yeah.